we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. I am your host, Simone Roche, and this is the We Are More season, which is all about chatting to our winners, our commended, our partners of the Northern Power Women Awards. Since we held our fantastic ceremony back in March, I do not know where the time has gone. And this week, I am delighted to be joined. At we're in two hats, actually. We've got Jodie Cunningham, who is on our future list, but is also representing the Rugby Football League, who splendidly won the small organisation category this year and have been, might have to say, a little bit busy recently. Jodie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Simone. Yeah, very busy uh, from a personal perspective and obviously from an RFL perspective. Uh, really big year for us, particularly for the women uh, with a Rugby League World Cup that's just been finished um, that I competed in and has been huge for us as a sort of domestic governing body, but for rugby league as a whole, it's been absolutely massive. It has been amazing. And I know this 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 has been a long time. I think we first met in Newcastle when you brought the trophy on on tour over when we first launched Northern Power Futures. That was three or four years ago. Was that right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um that was sort of right at the start of my journey as being the women's ambassador for the Rugby League World Cup um, so yeah I had no idea where that journey would take me and and how amazing this World Cup would be for Women's Rugby League but yeah it's been brilliant and it really has hasn't it I think it was always I remember coming to an event at Old Trafford at one point and it was talking about the launch of the World Cup and it was set out right from the start of being the most diverse tournament um, across any sporting organisations globally and I think you nailed it, quite frankly, you know, by combining the men's, the women's, the wheelchair tournaments into one, I think, super mega tournament. Um, why, you know, it's just been so, um, inspirational, I think is an overused word, but it's just been so kind of galvanizing, I think is the word, I think. And why has it been important to you? Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, one of the strap lines that has been used and was was part of the mission really of the World Cup was be the biggest, best, and most inclusive. And that's that you know it's a bold statement uh, that was made early on, and I genuinely believe it is from every aspect that you can think of: biggest and best of number of teams, number of, of players competing, the sort of the the money, the turnaround, everything that's been spent and everything that's been brought in. It's biggest and best, and I think everyone would agree who attended a game or was part of the tournament that it absolutely was and then looking at sort of the inclusiveness it was the most diverse playing population that there's ever had at a, a world cup men's women's wheelchair tournaments which brought so much I think to the overall feeling I remember when I first got asked to be the ambassador for the tournament and John Dutton the CEO explained we're doing men's women's and wheelchair together they're going to be on equal platform and it really will be fantastic and I jumped at the chance, but equally I was probably a bit apprehensive as to really, will it really be on this sort of level playing field that I'm being told it it's going to be? Because it was just never my experience before in women's rugby league. And 
you know, they absolutely smashed that out of the water. And I worked for the World Cup for, for three years and really saw the behind the scenes of, of how important it was to make sure that all the female athletes, the wheelchair athletes, really did feel included in this tournament and like they were valued as athletes and 100% that was the case and if you ask any of the players that were part of this tournament you know they've got memories for life and it is one of the most amazing experiences I was ever part of and and now we're sort of in my my job working for for the RFL and doing women and girls development it's all about taking advantage of this profile we've now given um, the women's athletes and obviously wheelchair athletes as well because we have so much love and support and more eyes on on the sport than ever before and uh, you know in my opinion people are talking about the women's in the wheelchair game possibly more than the men's which is you know it's a breath of fresh air and I think people are seeing the value in in really having an inclusive sport that is open to everyone to to get involved enjoy and and excelling so yeah it's been massive success and I think no, it'd probably be a long time till we actually realise the impact that it's had. And, and having seen some of our brilliant Northern Powerman community hopping on trains um, and coaches and cars to get across the fantastic, you know very well, I'm sure Sandy Lindsay, uh, MBE, who's like kind of one of our brilliant, she is, she is I think she's been everywhere. And, and in the groups that we're part of, she is, without a shadow of a doubt, every day has been in there being like the number one fan going, please give this some love, let's get behind this, let's make sure this is living breathing forever and I think that's one of the legacies isn't it is to is to kind of enable that feel good factor to keep going absolutely yes Andy's been one of our biggest advocates um, since she got involved uh, with the RFL and with rugby league she's she's always been fantastic um, and it's just brilliant that I think people are really listening to what people are saying now and they you know they've given it a go this World Cup gave them an opportunity to see it you know all games were live across the BBC so people had the opportunity to stumble across it or just give it a go um, if you hadn't seen it before and you know unanimously I think people fell in love with the sport which is brilliant so yeah people like Sandy have been fantastic and you know you talk about legacy and and you say it sort of happened beforehand and you're right from both aspects from from an RFL perspective we spoke about pre-legacy a lot uh, about making sure that we take advantage in the sports in a position to make the most of all of the profile we're going to get all of the interest and engagement we'll have and hopefully all of the young people that will inspire um, everything was set out to make sure that beforehand we're in the right position to take advantage of it um, and definitely from a World Cup perspective it was a legacy. I actually worked um, across the the legacy program as it was initially termed, but actually we changed the title of it and, and we said, you know, legacy is probably not the right term because that does focus on everything afterwards. Actually, it's a social impact program and we're making an impact in people's lives well before there's a whistle blown to kick off the tournament. You know, loads of people had the opportunity to experience being part of the World Cup in loads of different ways, whether that be volunteering. We had an amazing inclusive volunteering program where hundreds of people with learning disabilities, autism, other support needs, um, had the opportunity to volunteer at tournament time, but also in loads of pre-tournament projects that, you know, built confidence, gave them skills and experiences that they could go on and, and transfer into loads of different areas of their lives. And, you know, they may never pick up a rugby league while they can, because we've got learning disability variants of the game as well. But if they don't want to, that's absolutely fine. But we want to make sure, we wanted to make sure with this tournament that everybody could experience it, even if they don't want to play the game or even if they're not big fans of watching it, you know, can you be part of the rugby league family, as we like to call it, without actually having to want to play the game, um, which I think, you know, we did succeed in. We had so many different ways in which we did that with the social impact programme, the mental fitness programme, 
that ran alongside that as well, the education programme. You know, we, we really did want to make sure that everyone could be part of it and hopefully we succeeded. I absolutely fundamentally think you have. And so you are now the National Women and Girls Development Manager for the RFL, which appears to me like it's your perfect role. What does that entail? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's, you know, and I feel the pressure of it, I think, because I care so much. It's it's really easy. I suppose it's really, I'm very fortunate. Everyone says, if you, you know, if you do a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life, which, you know, is true. But I think when you love what you do as much as I do and are so heavily invested in it, it's also hard because it's not just a job. You care so much in the outcome and you're so invested in the outcome that I don't think you have an off button with it. Um, I know I certainly don't. So, yeah, I think, you know, my role is is about, helping, supporting change, putting programmes in place that take some of the barriers down for women and girls participating in rugby league. And hopefully we've gone a long way of doing that. We've, you know, I've, I've been in the role now sort of 10, 11 months and, you know, looking at different ways that we can change. We've introduced a nines competition to help support getting, making sure that we've got all different clubs that can take part in a more level playing field, raise the profile, bring new commercial interest into the game hopefully which is absolutely what we need and this tournament will have helped with but yeah looking at different programs you know next year we want to really focus on that younger age group that's seven to elevens and you know at the minute it's when you're under 11 you play in mixed teams which are predominantly boys teams so there might be one girl on a team now actually when I go around I see lots of girls in teams which is brilliant but that might not be the right environment for a young girl if they're starting out for the first time it might be a little bit daunting and no, it's creating teams, actually. Why can't we have an all-girls, seven-year-old team, eight-year-old team, nine-year-old team? We don't have to have mixed teams. And I think that's absolutely the way to go. We had our first ever all-girls, seven under-sevens fixture this year, and that just authentically happened. Girls have come together and want to play as part of a girls' team. And how brilliant is that? It shows that there's a need for it. And that's sort of going to be a big focus of ours, just to make sure that all young girls feel welcome in rugby league and they can play mixed if they want to, but... Also, there's a different variation for them as well. And yeah, for me, that's sort of a big focus. It's using hopefully my experience going through all the pathways that there has been uh, right from sort of starting out at school through to playing for, you know, England in a World Cup. It's making sure that I can use those experiences, those lived experiences, which are really important to try and guide some of the ways that we do things. It's not about copy and paste what we do for the boys or the men. It's about making sure that what we put is it's it's the right fit for women and girls. It's what they need. It it gives them the best environment to excel and enjoy the sport. You know, I, I am such a different person because I decided to go to that training session for the first time and pick up a rugby league ball. And yeah, my, my life is completely different, but so much better for it. So hopefully I can help a lot of young girls start on that journey too. And, and how did you get, you said you went to that first session. How did you get into it? Because, you know, rugby league has a massive, strong northern identity, didn't it? So where was that pathway? Was it literally just pitching up that day? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm from Warrington, which is big rugby league town. We've got a professional, professional team in Warrington Wolves that's, you know, very prominent in the town. But I, my family weren't rugby league people. So very much football, lots of other sports we were really sporty, but rugby league wasn't necessarily one that really featured in our house. And so it wasn't anything I'd ever really been interested in. And then it feels like fate a little bit. I feel very lucky that the year I started high school was the year they started the Champion Skills Tournament for Girls. So it already had rich history 
in the boys game you know lots of professional players that people will have heard of have played in in that competition and excelled and got to the finals and they started it for the girls so there was a big push around trying to get new new schools to try rugby league and and get a girls team involved um again feel fortunate that me and Emily Rudge went to the same high school so we just got friends you know we became like really close friends really quickly both really sporty and she just had to stop playing with the boys because she turned 11 so had to find sort of an all-girls team so she was so adamant that we were going to get a girls team together and she rallied around along with a couple of teachers who were really influential to get enough girls to commit to try rugby league and I'll be honest I wasn't one of them at first I was scared I think not necessarily about the contact more about you know that fear of failure of not being good at something that was so new to me um so yeah I wasn't convinced at first and then the girls did really well they all absolutely loved it and they got through to the finals and you know if nothing else they were getting to miss a couple of lessons and I felt left out being sat there in the class on my own so I decided to give it a go and I said, you know, right, right go on, Emily, I'll, I'll give it a go, come down. And then it was sort of instant falling in love. I did so many different sports and everything else fell away at that point. I just wanted to commit all my time to rugby league. And, you know, we went on and we won that competition four times on the run and I just wanted to play as much rugby league as I could. So that was it. We was try- trying to find local teams and there wasn't one in Warrington. So my dad and Emily's dad actually created Warrington Girls Team. So we created our own club side and we ended up being champions at at national level from a club perspective as well. And actually our parents now are are best friends as well as us still being best friends, which is, which is pretty special. So we've, you know, me and Emily have been through this journey all through schools, girls rugby, right through to open age, playing for England together. Um, And our families have experienced that together as well, which is, which is really nice. So yeah, it's always, I always feel like I've got that sort of comfort blanket with me whenever I'm on tour or in a World Cup. You know, I've got that little bit of home with me and Emily. So we're that big support network for each other. And you talked about that, didn't you, before, is that this is a rugby league. It is a family, isn't it? It's a family that wraps around it. And, you know, you are, we now have the the Betfregs Women's Super League, don't we, which is the flagship women's rugby league competition and that. And I know this is a competition that you really passionately drive participation in, don't you? Tell me about the successes of this and what you're most proud of. Yeah, I think for me, the Women's Super League is part of that pre-legacy. So, when we got back from the World Cup in 2017, the, all the focus and all the talk was how do we put England in the best place to win the next World Cup? It should have been 2021, obviously. COVID delayed it by a year. Uh, so it was this year, but it was all about focus on that. And how do we make sure that we grow and, and professionalise the women's competition into what, what it can be and what it should be? So sort of 2018 was the first sort of full year of, of Women's Super League around creating this this more professional competition where each of the clubs that are part of it had to be linked to a professional men's club, whether that be Championship or, or Super League. And at that point, St. Helen, I was playing in St. Helens for a club side called Fat O'Heath and St. Helens started uh, aside and basically a, a lot of the girls that played at that Fat O'Heath team were brought across to St. Helens at the time. Again, I would no sort of real idea what this would come to be and year on year it's just made the women's game explode in terms of interesting girls wanting to play and interesting fans wanting to be there and watch and support us and I genuinely believe it's it was brilliant that we basically used the power of the badge and the power of the brand to get that interest so there were so many young girls and I realized the power of it that very first year I was injured uh, so I got injured just before the world cup and 
most of the 2018 first season, uh, I spent recovering from uh, a knee operation. And I remember doing a presentation night at the end of that season. And it was for my old club, Thattle Heath. It was for the girls section. And a parent came up to me afterwards and was like, thank you so much. And I was like, no, I've not, no, I've not really done anything. He was like, no, you've, you've made me not have to lie to my daughter anymore because she has said for years when we're sat in the stands at St. Helens, dad, I'm going to play for Saints one day. Dad, I'm going to play for Saints one day. And that was never possible. I used to, you know, I, I sort of pamper to her because I didn't want to break a little heart. And then now he said, I don't have to lie anymore. She can wear that kit. She can play in that stadium and she can represent the club that she loves. And that was the power of what the Women's Super League brought. It was that already fan base that we had, young girls who were already in love with this sport and this club of theirs, whether that be St. Helens, Warrington, Wigan, wherever it was, they now had the power. That was the draw for them to want to play or stick in the game because we have a lot of girls that sort of fall out of the sport at 15, 16 when other priorities come into play. And actually, this has really helped with that retention because the opportunity to play for that club is massive. And equally, from a fan base perspective, I've never realised how powerful a team can be and what a difference it can make in communities until sort of representing and playing St. Helens and the support we get from from people in the community and, and how much they say it means when we, we're successful and, and they get to come down and be there and watch us in finals. It, it's massive. I've had, you know, I've had doctors uh, come up to me and say, you know, you are such a strong, powerful female role model, just like the rest of the team are. And that's really important for us to have for young girls in St. Helens. They need the likes of you to look up to. And we didn't really have that before. And, Again, you, it's when you have conversations like that, you realise what you're doing is much bigger than sport. You're creating opportunities and pathways for young girls who might not have other options in life. And, and that's really, really important. And I was going to say is that led me right into role models. It's the heart of everything we do. I, as that young girl, wanted to play for Everton ladies and there wasn't even, there wasn't a thing. There was no even, you know, there was no such thing as female football. And you're like paving away and you are that role model. Are you comfortable with being that role model? Because you're flipping good at it <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's an honor it's, it is an honor to be classed as a role model as you know as we all are now as as women's players and like I say it sort of add, it does add pressure because actually you're not just representing yourself and you know when you're a sports person you're competitive you always want to do the best you can but you're representing something even bigger than just winning that game or you know competing in that league or that competition you you genuinely are representing the dreams of what young girls can be and we're just a stepping stone in that there's been lots of women who've paved the way and fought and knocked down barriers to allow us to get to the point that we're at hopefully we're doing the same so that these young girls now who are being inspired who you know hopefully we are role models for they're in a much better position with even even better opportunities and hopefully don't have to balance a full-time job alongside playing for the club that they love which you know that's the ultimate dream so yeah it's it's so lovely to be to be called a role model but yeah it, it definitely adds pressure because you know I want to make sure that I am the best role model I can be and that I know when I was younger I couldn't name you a women's player so I didn't even know there was an England team when I started playing I just tried this sport loved it great I'd never seen women or girls playing it so it, it never even come onto my radar that that was an option and then a coach said to me you know, he said to me and Emily after a session, he was like, if you two stick at it, I think you could play for England one day. And as soon as he said that, it was like a penny drop moment of, wow, I can I can represent my country in this sport that's brilliant. Right, well, how do I do that? And 
know, where does that look like? How do we get there? It just was, there was no visibility of it. Whereas hopefully now we provide that visibility so that young girls don't need to be told that it's an option. They can see it already. Uh, they can strive to be that. Like, you know, it gives them a way of wanting to commit and wanting to strive for, for a dream and work hard for something because they can see that it's there. It's not just this thing that someone has to explain to them. You know, it's there, it's visible. And, you know, hopefully there's a lot of girls that see that and, and want to sort of follow in our footsteps a little. Well, do you know what? It's absolutely amazing. If ever there could be an ambassador, a role model um, that is literally paving the way and, conti- and it's that continuous paving uh, the way for others. So, Jodie, you are such an amazing role model. I'm so delighted that you've been able to join us on the podcast today after such a phenomenal tournament and such a such a real path you've had to get there with with all the delays and everything. But gosh, it was worth it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's brilliant to be here. Uh, we will put information in the show notes about how you can get involved, how you can you know be part of the social impact and get uh, involved with rugby football league as well because it's amazing and everything that done over the last month or so with the tournament has been fantastic but please do get in touch with us at northern power women at podcast at northernpowerwomen.com stay update with all of our events our mentoring build your profile on our power platform and do leave us a review we like those too and join in the conversation at north power women on twitter and northern power women on all our other socials join us next monday where i'll be joined by another fantastic role model from across the community i'm simone roche and you've been listening to the northern power women podcast and what goes on media production oh.